HR professionals, business owners, and operations at all levels are struggling to figure out what needs to change. Our system has been shocked, practices have been questioned, and conversations are finally happening. We all know there has been a huge shift in what people want. Inclusion and diversity are common phrases, but often misunderstood. Generations are coming together more than ever on what's important. Mental health has been brought to the forefront of everyone's mind. Let's humanize these conversations. Let's talk about what's important for employees to be successful in life and at their job, and how companies can create an environment to allow them to do both. Because successful people will make up a successful workforce. I'm Leanne Lovely. Let's get this conversation started. Susie, thank you so much for joining me today. I'm really excited to have this conversation. Thank you for, for having me. I'm, I'm excited as well. So why don't you start off by telling me a little bit about yourself? Okay. So I am a human resources consultant. I have consulted for more years than I sat in the HR chair as an HR lady. Um, I have been consulting. Most of uh, my clients are small to medium-sized businesses. In a lot of cases, they do not have a human resources department, but they have employees, so they need help sometimes. And I get involved with everything from hiring to saying goodbye to those people who are not in the right seats on the the proverbial company bus. Um, and everything that happens in between, I help write policies, I help implement uh, employment manuals, employee relations issues, lots of employee relations issues. I do a lot of recruiting. Um, although not as an agency would do recruiting. So just as if an HR, I was, you know, the HR person for the organization, mm-hmm. I get involved in recruiting, I get involved in getting people onboarded and then everything through to offboarding. Awesome. So something that I noticed, um, you have a motto um, that's, and I, I love this, your motto is sophisticated HR made simple. I love it because we all know that HR can be so unbelievably complicated. And, and as I'm saying this, it's, it's funny because I just recently read a post on LinkedIn that was, it was actually a poll that said, do HR professionals, do they require, or should they people be required to have a degree? And I was wildly surprised that a lot of people were saying no, that HR professionals shouldn't be required to have a degree or sort of, and as I was thinking to myself, or as I was reading that, I was thinking to myself, this is part of the problem that individuals don't fully understand Mm -hmm. what HR professionals and people who sit in those roles do. Exactly. (laughs) Um, So I think a lot of people think that HR is payroll and benefits. And yes, to do payroll and benefits actually probably could be better served by having an accounting degree. Mm -hmm. Um, I've never been of the mind that HR people should be the ones processing payroll. You know, sometimes in a small company that happens. But I think that payroll is better left to the accounting professionals. Mm-hmm. Um, and I do disagree with, or I agree with you, but I disagree with all the people on the LinkedIn poll um, who said that HR professionals don't need a degree. I think that's completely false. 
Um, there's many uh, university master's programs in organizational development, human resources management, as well as, as you probably know, certifications mm-hmm. that uh, HR professionals can obtain, you know, early on in their career and then even a little bit later on in their career at a, at a higher level. So I think it is very, whenever I recruit for an HR person, I always look for someone with a degree. Always. Right. Someone with a degree and even someone who's, you know, SHRM, there's the the different Mm -hmm. involved with SHRM, getting certifications Mm -hmm. that are beyond that because laws are, are constantly changing. And in order to keep up with those laws and, and HR is really, it's about compliance Mm -hmm. in, in so many pieces of what we do. And then, of course, there's the human side of it. Exactly. But it's, oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, and and, and I apologize. I was just going to finish up with saying, you know, and, and that's where I think that people, people get lost in that. They think human resources, it's, it's supposed to be, a, you know, a human as a resource for them. But, you know, as we all know, that has gotten sidelined and HR is really about the watchdog for the company, the compliance piece mm-hmm. that is, and again, that's why I go back to your motto, sophisticated HR made mm-hmm. simple because it is truly, it, it is truly a complex process. Exactly. And I'm of the mind. So a couple of things, um, it is really hard to be in compliance with every single law at every single moment, <laughs> um, because there's a lot of intertwining of laws, as I, I am sure you know, all the big acronyms out there, ADA, FMLA, uh, you know, just all sorts of uh, employment laws that, that a company based on their size has to be with in compliance with. Mm-hmm. Um, and in terms of, you know, simplifying HR, because it can be complex, it you can bring it down to a simple level. So, you know, for example, I'll use an, an example of a performance appraisal process. I often see, and, and one of the things I do a lot when I start working with a company is I do what I call an HR assessment, where I do a deep dive into how all their processes are run and what their documents look like and how they're managing different functions and of, of quote unquote HR Um, But I see a lot of very complex performance management processes, Um, you know, form pages and pages of forms and competencies and and all sorts of things that need to be filled out. And it becomes all about the form, right? It becomes all about filling out this form. and, And that's why people hate it so much. But it really doesn't have to be it's it's a conversation and it's a conversation that truly needs to happen more than once a year. Mm-hmm. Maybe we're formally documenting it once a year, but we should be conversing as managers. We should be conversing with our, with our staff all the time. Right. Nothing should be a surprise at the end of the year. And, and believe me, I've had many clients that wait until that time to let the person know how much they hate them. Well, and and it's interesting that you bring that up because I was actually working with somebody who um, a group of employees that um, that every year they they got that big, long form that they were required to fill out. And this company said, if you don't fill it out and sign it, you don't get a raise. 
you won't get your raise, right? Mm -hmm. And this group of employees just decided that we're gonna we're gonna boycott this. It's this like seven or ten page long document basically saying, what did you do for the company this year? How do you feel your performance was? How do you think you could have improved? And all of these just I guess outdated almost questions, mm -hmm. just mm -hmm. to the point where you the you know the employers were just like I so they 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 refused. <laughs> <laughs> These like a large a a group of employees refused, just outright said, "I'm not doing it." Like hmm. you never asked me through the year, you never talked to me about this through the year. We never discuss. I'm refusing to sign it. I am refusing to sign this document. And and the company was kind of like, well, "What what do we now? What, what? right now? What like what do we do now? If yeah. you've got, you know, a, a large handful of employees who just outright are going to refuse because they disagree with something maybe on, on that form or. Um, well, because it, it sounds like they wanted their increase, but in order to get that increase, they had to fill out this form. And that's why I'm a big proponent of separating those two processes. Right. And, I, and, the, and, and the end of the story was that they didn't sign the form. The company did end up giving them the raise because the alternative was we don't give it to them and they leave. Right. So what did that do? Right. Right. And and how did that help the employee in terms of what the performance management process is supposed to accomplish, yeah. which is coaching, counseling, if necessary, you know, applying corrective action, if necessary, what, you know, what, these people associated doing a performance review with their increase. And, and really that's, that's wrong. Right. Um, it's interesting. <laughs> I have a, a current client now. I'm sorry. No. To interrupt. Do you want me to? Go ahead. Okay. So I, I have a current client that I'm working with now and, you know, stepped into actually an eight, an interim HR director role um, from a person who was very, um, exact about how the processes go, went. And so we have people constantly, can I have my performance review? Can I have my performance review? Because they know that when they do it, then they get their increase. Right. <laughs> and, and so it, it, it isn't about how can I, you know, what are my goals, my career aspirations? Do you really care about me as a person, as an employee? It's about what's my increase and when right. am I going to get that? And and that shouldn't those two things should not be exclusive. It should be about let's talk about your growth. Let's talk about your career path. Let's talk about and if a company, if you are of a position where you get those incremental increases, whether it be once a year, whether it be twice a year, you're assessed at that, that mm -hmm. should be more about the continuous conversation that is set forth with your manager where you're having quarterly conversations, where you're having daily conversations or maybe maybe weekly conversations of just touch points of, hey, mm -hmm. do you need anything from me? You know, you're doing a great job or we need to, let's let's tweak this a little bit and do it. And again, I know that, you know, in companies that are hundreds of thousands of people, but that's that's the point is that you shouldn't have a manager who's managing a thousand people. Because clearly, that manager is not going to know every one of their employees. You need right. to take bite-sized, you know, bite-sized pieces here. And if you have a manager who's managing supervisors, each mm -hmm. one of those supervisors should have only enough people that mm -hmm. they know exactly 
what's going on in the work, you know, the work of every every single one of their people. Right. That they can truly be a good manager to. And that brings up another point is I'm also a big believer in doing um, assessments of the manager, like giving feedback anonymously, of course, um, through a 360 um, or 180, I guess, if it's just the employees, but just giving the manager feedback and how are they doing for their people? Because that's what it's all about. Right. And if, if employees, if employees knew that they had the ability to, and this wouldn't have happened, you know, the whole, I'm not signing my, you know, review wouldn't have happened if the employees felt that they had a voice to be able to say, Hey, I, I don't agree with this process. Mm -hmm. I, or this is, this is the reason, you know, if, if they had ever asked the employees, Hey, how do you feel your manager does for you? How do you feel these processes are? Do you feel that these processes are effective? Mm-hmm. Because the company would have figured out that, oh, there's a problem with our process and that the employees actually feel degraded mm-hmm. by this process. Right. They feel like it's just basically a, a bash session of here's what you need to do better. You did this okay better, but we're going to give you your, and I think it was in this case, it was like a 3% raise for everybody. And they were all like, Oh, great. Here I get my 25 cents or, (laughs) I mean, it's, it's basically an insult, you know, uh, for this particular one, these people were like, some of these individuals were like, take your 25 cents and shove it where the sun, you know, where the sun don't shine. Right. It's uh, a, it's, it's a very old fashioned, I guess I'll call it right way of managing people. It's, it's, you know, kind of the 70s, 80s, maybe way of doing things, you know, we're the bosses, you're the peons, and you you do what we say, and you are happy with that. And that's how, you know, things worked in the 60s and 70s. And I think it was around the 80s, um, where uh, companies when big layoffs started happening and, and you didn't, you know, stay somewhere until you got your golden watch. <laughs> um, right. And, you know, the children of, I guess that was probably Gen X saw how their parents were treated by companies that they had put in a lot of time and effort to, and then they were just let go. And, and this new generation of millennials isn't going to stand for that. Right. And right. now we've got Gen Z coming too. Right. No, and it's and it's it's interesting. I I love the study of the generations because um you you watch how they're how each group is influenced by you know the the previous group and how they you know and and of course that you know the the oldest group always criticizes the work ethic or the mm-hmm. decisions <laughs> of the younger group. But in essence, they're criticizing that group for making decisions based on what they learned from the the group in front of them. Well, and also we're the parents of that group. Correct. <laughs> right, so, right. We're criticizing yeah. our own children for for trying to do it a different way because we created they this from the pains they had. Right, right. So, the, the the boomers or the younger boomers, I'll say. And the Gen Xers are the parents of the millennials and right. the Gen Zers. Right. So and, and we sit yeah. and we criticize 
we criticize their actions, yet they're tr they're making an attempt to do it better and different because they saw the pains that their parents went through or their grandparents went through, right. and they 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 don't want to they don't want to experience that. They don't want to exactly. experience that, and and it's hilarious, which is why I love the study of the evolution of how the generations change. You know, I was a latchkey kid. I um, and I saw both my parents working, mm -hmm. you know, hard as hell to provide. And, and it, I mean, it was just, you know, and then layoffs and mm -hmm. it just an amazing, um, it's amazing if you were to really dive into the analysis of why each generation does what each generation does, you know, the, the kids that come up, we, you know, they get trophy, you know, trophies and you, you talking about you know participation trophies <laughs> right. What, right exactly and, and and we created we we created mm -hmm. the whole like oh you're not gonna congratulate me for showing up to work right you're not gonna congratulate me for <laughs> i don't get that corner office really right i have to actually do something to right. to uh gain that that uh in the workplace right yeah well what, what do you mean you're not gonna just you're yeah. not going to just pay me $80,000 a year for, for, for this yes, job. That, that's, a, that's another topic. I don't know if we want to talk about that, but the, well, um, we're gonna, the mindset. We're going to get into that. Okay. So you do a lot of recruiting for your companies. Mm -hmm. And right now in this world, the idea, the mindset, what you just said, mm -hmm. um, you know, the hiring in today's world, it's, and trust me, I've been around the block, to, you know, I, I've been around the block. I've, I've, you know, in the industry now hiring mm -hmm. 20, almost 20 years. Um, mm -hmm. It is a, it is a different animal. Um, mm -hmm. And, and it can obviously every, you know, every year that goes by things change, but right now we are, it is unprecedented. Um you know, yeah. I say this like every five years, like, oh, my God, the world has changed so much. But no, we are truly in, you know, a time period in which, mm -hmm. you know, somebody comes to me and they're like, oh, I just graduated. And I was told that I should be able to make $70,000 at my first job. And I'm like, okay, are you talking to you can want that. <laughs> I don't right. know if you get it. Um, right. Yeah, there's uh, uh yes, I've always said and I've been recruiting for more years than you have. Um, but I, back in the day when you ran an ad in the newspaper and you had to call the Chicago Tribune and actually read it to them. So we won't go there, but <laughs> that's become easier. But, uh, in terms of people's attitudes, and, and so what I was saying was I've always said, even when there's a lot of candidates out there, it's always hard to find good people. Always. It's obviously harder when there's not as many people out there, but it's always been hard to find good people. Mm -hmm. Okay. So having said that, what I keep been seeing these last couple of years is one, this unrealistic view of what my worth is in the marketplace. And two, no, no courteous behavior, no etiquette, no thank yous, no follow-ups no go or, or I shouldn't say no ghosting I I get ghosted but I actually got ghosted the other day by an HR person I, I should have called them and yelled at them because right. that's like our people right right 
I'm right. doing a search for an HR person and my, I have a Calendly app and like you probably have something like that. And it actually asks the person to reconfirm a few hours before the time that they're going to be there. And this person who will remain nameless um, reconfirmed and didn't show up. I'm sitting on the Zoom call. No, I'm so sorry. I can't make it. Can we reschedule? Just didn't show up. HR person. I've had that with recruiters. I've had recruiters ghost. And I'm like, you, you're a recruiter. You know the pains. You get, you know the frustration. You know the work that goes into setting up interviews. Yes, yeah, so you to lose you... your HR card. Right. Yeah. yeah absolutely. You, you just, it just got pulled from you. You are no yes. longer, you are no longer on our team. But, <laughs> It's amazing. It is absolutely amazing the amount of people, the respect of time. Mm-hmm. People do not respect other people's time. And I, that was always um, like my, my, I grew up with um, a dad who used to say to me, if you're, if you're late. Uh, if, or if you're on time, you're early. Right? Yes. If you're on time, right. And so I'm you, sorry, you're late. If you're on time, you're late. If you're, if you're just on time, you're late. So you better be showing up there 10 minutes early to make sure that you know where you're going. And when I was young and I was interviewing, he used to say to me, you, you need to drive there the day before so that you know where you're going so that there is absolutely no excuse as to yes. why you can't show up. Yes, and I'm a like, dry oh, run. that's ridiculous. And then yeah. when I started interviewing, you know, living in a, it, I lived in a little tiny town, um, at the time it was a little tiny town now it's exploding but I lived in a little tiny town um some people who are from the Wisconsin area will know it's it was Oconomowoc population at that time it's like oh, that's where my daughter went to camp right so at that time population was like I mean it, it was less than 10,000 I mean I think that now it's like mm-hmm. 45,000 mm-hmm. I mean it's it's explode it's exploding but the, at that time it was under like the 10,000 mark it was a very small town mm-hmm. And then I started interviewing closer to Milwaukee, which is, you know, like a 45 minute drive. And, you know, being this basically a little small town girl going out into these areas, I was like, wow, now I understand because navigating that when you're, you know, 20, 23 years old and going, I can't find this place. It all of a sudden made sense. Like, oh, Mm -hmm. that's why I'm driving here the day before, because it took me 20 minutes to find the building and I would have been late. Right. Cause I'm taking it seriously. Cause I'm taking it seriously. And that was the way that I grew up again. I'm 42 years old. There is a, there is a lot of people in my generation that didn't grow up that way. I'm kind of on the cuff, but I mm-hmm. had a dad who was adamant about mm-hmm. that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I, people still, even in the, the tail end of, of my generation still are not a huge they still have that issue with the whole, like not respecting people's time. But Mm -hmm. I was also, you know, I was 18 when I got my first cell phone. So God, wow. I was a lot older than that. (laughs) I know. It's so strange. Like I was 18, but you mean they haven't my whole life, but, and the thing that used to drive me crazy when I was out with one of my girlfriends, you know, we're having lunch or something. And one of them, their phone would ring Mm -hmm. and sitting at a table, Mm -hmm. They mm-hmm. would pick up their phone and just start having a conversation. Mm-hmm. And I'm mm-hmm. like, we're out 
to lunch. Right. Hello, right. I'm, I'm here. Right. I'm, I'm here in person. Now I know it occasionally happens and mm-hmm. people will say, I'm, I'm sorry, excuse me, I have to take this. Right. And then they'll come back and say, sorry, it was my wife or it was my daughter or it was an emergency mm-hmm. call. Hey, I, that's, there's been times where, you know, I came out of a meeting and I had 21 missed phone calls because my daughter knocked her tooth out. Oh, wow. we all have emergency phone calls that, right. mm-hmm. that we need to take, but respect people's time, right? Set a meeting, show up. If you set a meeting, don't spend or just cancel. Like what, what's wrong with canceling? Correct. And, and don't are... make, don't make people chase you. Correct. Like I, I, if you're interested, if you're not interested in the job and someone asks you for another interview or, or even makes you the offer, let tell them, don't blow it off. Don't right. I, I've had, I, I've had that happen too, where this just happened actually um, the candidate was so excited during the interview and we made her the offer, um, didn't hear anything. And I called just to make sure she got the offer letter. A couple days finally said, yeah, I got it. And then she declined. <laughs> well, I, I feel, I feel I, like I, we, get it. I feel like it's turned into a world where people are just so scared of saying no to somebody. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I'm like, I I don't care. It it doesn't affect me. I really could care less if you decide to take something else. That's fine. That's you. You do you. Just tell me. Or tell me you're not going to show up. Yes, we we could probably do a whole show about this, Leanne. Right. Oh, I know we could. I know we probably have lots of opinions and feelings about this. Right. It's, I just, I feel like, and that's the same thing with, you know, again, I'm, you know, I'm a hardcore salesperson too, on top of, you know, being a geek in the HR realm. But, (laughs) I, I, Hey, if I'm doing a cold, I don't care if you don't want to buy my product. Like, and I don't say that as like a, in a mean way, mm-hmm. I would rather have you say, Hey, Leanne, thanks for calling, but I am not interested in your product at all. Right. Then have you go, Oh, okay. This sounds interesting. Call me in a week mm-hmm. or just like, I'll stop calling you. If you say like, I, I will never, ever buy from you. Right. I'll go, Okay. Mm-hmm. I'll just mark you off my list and I will never call you again. Right. Like, just say no. Yes. Just say no. Just say thanks, but no thanks. Correct. That's all. That's it. Easy peasy. That's, that's it. And, and then we move on. Right. <laughs> right. Then I can move on with my life and you can move on with your life. And we've agreed right. that you're not interested, but it's the maybe not call me. I don't know. I can't. Mm-hmm. What is with the decision-making process? Take a stand. Take, right. Take a side. Right. Here's a line. Right. Don't stand on it. Just <laughs> choose one side or the other. Right. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so you utilized some behavior assessment tools, mm-hmm. um, correct? Yes. And, and do you utilize that across the board just for hiring? How? Tell me how <laughs> I use them a lot in the hiring process because that's actually, I think, the best place to, to introduce to a company the use the use of behavioral assessments mm-hmm. um, because it's just giving you more information about the person you're meeting. Because when you're meeting someone, hopefully, that's the best you're seeing, right? You're seeing the best dressed, 
the best manners, the best um, smile, everything's the best. But what we really want to know is what are we going to get every day? And so using behavioral, which I use behavioral and motivators assessments, but using those types of assessments gives you information about what are you going to see every day? What are you going to see when the person's not happy? What are you going to see when their, their, their kid was giving them a hard time or their spouse was giving them, uh, their significant other was giving them a hard time that morning. They got stopped by a train. They got into, you know, what are you going to see when, when life gets in the way? And that's what you want to know about your people, not where, not only where they went to school and what their experience is, but what, how, how do they approach people, problems, challenges, uh, compliance, procedures, things like that. So yes, I'm a big proponent, but I do try to incorporate uh, for my clients that really like using those tools in the recruiting process, I do try to incorporate them into the communication process, management process, team building process with those companies. So what are some of the tools, the assessment tools that it, it do you mind sharing which ones you use? Yeah, so um, I buy them. I'll give a plug for the company that has developed the specific tools that I use. It's TTI Success Insights. You can only buy their tools through a distributor of which I am, and I've gone through training. I'm certified. Um, there's many tools uh, that can be utilized, but the two uh, most popular ones that I use are the behaviors, which tells you how, which is DISC. So lots of people are familiar with DISC, so it uses the DISC methodology. So it tells you how, how someone behaves. The motivators driving forces assessment tells you why, what gets them up in the morning, what calls them to action, what's important, what's interesting, what, what, what's, you know, the why behind the how. Right. There's also, I also use EQ assessments, which we don't use in recruiting because those are not validated, or at least the company that I, TTI Success Insights, their EQ assessments are not validated to use in the recruiting process. Mm -hmm. But I certainly use those with um, uh, employees of the companies that I work with when, you know, there may be some some issues with that just to help them improve because EQ can be improved, whereas behaviors and motivators don't really change so much. Um, I have competencies assessments, which kind of looks at a variety of, I think there's 25 different soft skills. So I'm a big proponent of using, but like I said, the behaviors and motivators are the most popular ones that I use in recruiting and then, and team building. Right. The, the EQ is kind of a one-on-one. -on -one. It's okay. not something you necessarily share with the rest of your team. Right. And so when you use those in the recruiting, I'm assuming that it's just a, um, hey, I just want to use use this so that I can better understand some of the, the background drivers, you know, so do they do this before you interview them, after you interview them? How does that well, work? Well, since there's a cost associated with it, um, what we do is we use them to, uh, we use them uh, once we get down to like the final two or three people. Okay. So that's the point in the process when we're interested, you know, at the first interview, we're not sure, obviously not sure until you're finished with the interview, if this is the right person for our team, mm -hmm. or we think it's the right person. So once we get past that first interview is when we do um, the assessment 
for the you know next step in the process. Um, and also what I, I also use, and again, this is a process and a tool that I've uh, used through TTI Success Insights, um, it's called job benchmarking. And so what we do, and this is done pre- prior to recruiting. So what we do, what we're essentially doing is giving a voice to the job. If this job could talk, this is how it would behave. This is what would be important to the job in terms of motivators, driving forces, and we and, and key accountabilities. What are the key accountabilities of this? Why does this job exist? You know, why do we have this job in our company? Right. And we do that and we we use subject matter experts to, you know, those people who kind of touch the job. And then as candidates go through the process and they do the assessment, we can compare them or I compare them to the benchmark. And this way, and it, we're not looking for an exact match because we're never going to find an exact match. But what we can say is this is what you said you was important before you met people. And, you know, here's these people that you're meeting, which, of course, come with, you know, education and experience and skills and, and everything. Um, and here's where they're off the mark, so to speak. Right. Um, so, I, you know, I don't say yes, hire, no, don't hire, mm-hmm. but essentially say, you know, low risk, medium risk, high risk. Right. If you hire this person based on behaviors and motivators, you know, what's what's your risk, right. so to speak. So and, and we use that to help in the entire process, along with resume, interview, references, background check. Um, and so I love to do job job benchmarking because right. then we really know who's the best fit right. to the job. Interesting. Very interesting. So I've talked with a lot of people who, um, who feel that resumes are just, I mean, it's a great way to just like grab somebody's information really quick, Mm -hmm. um, and see, you know, at a glance if they're qualified for the position. But I think that too many people put way too much stock in somebody's resume. Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. And and I've, I've heard more and more people say, like, I, I, I literally glance at it and then set the appointment if they are, if I feel that they're qualified and then I never look at it again. Uh, yeah, I, I, um, I, so I'm an old fashioned recruiter, meaning that I actually read the resume. I know, and, and I have an applicant tracking system. I'm not that old fashioned, <laughs> um, so, you know, all my resumes go into the applicant tracking system, but I don't use like keyword searches to find, because I, I, I like to see how this person progressed, it, you know, right. try to imagine what type of decisions maybe they made along the, the path of their career. Um, but yeah, I don't really use the resume a whole lot in the interviewing process. Mm-hmm. To me, the res and remember, resumes are not legal documents. So you right. can put whatever you want. The application form is the legal documents. Right. But the resume, right. you can put whatever you want. <laughs> and I've had, I have one client that um, 
you know, always tells me everything that's on his mind. And he's like, they lied. They said this on their resume and they cannot do this. And yeah, that's why we have to interview people. I mean, not that he hired, some, but you know, like people, I said, yes, people will call it embellishing. I don't want to call everybody a liar out there, but right. people embellish, right? Because they want to get the job. <laughs> Well, I've said this to him so many, the people want the job, like you have a great company and it's a really interesting job and they want the job. So, you know, but it's up to us to really, uh, you know, ask the right questions and to truly determine, is this the right fit and what's being embellished and what's not right. Well, I mean, and, and again, it comes back to like, if you're looking at a resume for a quick second to determine whether or not this person is qualified, mm -hmm. um, you got to make your resume look really attractive. Yes. So people are trying anything and everything to make mm -hmm. it look really pretty. And in today's world, I've had multiple people say to me, well, you know, this person has had three jobs over the last three years. And I'm like, mm -hmm. yeah. They're like, they're a major job jumper. And I'm like, yeah, but prior to that, mm -hmm. they were at the same company for 20 years or they right. were at so the same company. I, for I see that a lot. I see that a years. lot. Right. And, and then I have to explain to my clients, like, think about what just happened in the world. Mm -hmm. I am seeing more and more resumes that have that of, they were at a company for 10 years and then all of a sudden they have these short stints. Mm -hmm. Just in the last couple of years. And I'll ask the, them, the younger people, like the people in their 20s and maybe early 30s, like I have a 28 year old daughter. So her resume is not, I mean, it's, she's, you know, she wasn't sure what she wanted to do when she got out of college. So she right. tried this and then COVID happened in the middle too. Right. And <laughs> yeah, she tried this and now she's, um, and, and, and it's funny how, you know, when someone's been at a company for like a year, it's like, especially with the millennials, like it's a long time for them. I know it's because it's not hard to get another job these days because the job market is um, there's lots of jobs. There's not as I mean, there's there's not as many people being born as there were. It, you know, the baby boomers like there was a lot of baby boomers, right? They're the all average. The average, what was it? It was uh, 3.5 being born per household. And now it's like 1.3 right. or something per household. There's less people. There's the right. There's, there's, there's less people. And because of what has happened with COVID, more people are on the move. And now we're in the conversations around culture and finding the right fit mm -hmm. it's all you hear about mm -hmm. when you're on any type of at any event you go to any networking event you go to any um you know event of any kind and we're and you and there's always the conversation about how to make you know a better culture at companies so mm -hmm. when these young people or these these individuals who have been at the same company for 10 years finally do decide, well, I'm going to dip my toe in the water and see if there's something, you know, or they got laid off because of COVID mm -hmm. and they join a new company and they realize, wow, this company doesn't have great culture. Everybody's on the move. And so yes. now you have, even with these people who 
are like, nope, I'm not a job jumper, are all of a sudden making multiple moves. Right. On top of all of the millennials who think that working at a company for a year and and, and I keep saying just millennials and the Gen uh, Gen Z. Z? Yes, it's Z. Yeah. And the Gen Zs who are all making these moves. So you literally have like the longevity factor doesn't exist in more no. recent years. And so when you're working with clients and they're like, well, I, I just, I, I will only hire somebody who's been at their last company, you know, the last, you know, for five years or longer. Yeah, you're, you're missing like, out. You're, you're missing you, out. You will never hire somebody for this role because, right. because that person ceased to exist. And longevity and, and high performance are not, not mutually exclusive. No. Yes, there's certainly high performers that have longevity, but there's a lot of people that have longevity that are just skating by and they're doing fine. And the company doesn't want to, they're, they're filling a spot, they're filling a seat and the company doesn't want to upset the apple cart or, or the company doesn't want to feel like they're not being nice. So they just keep the person. I see that a lot. When I, you know, if a company will say, oh, we have no turnover. And I'm like, well, is that good? Like, is that like, do you have these great people who are they not? Why are they not leaving? Right. No no one else will hire them or no no turnover doesn't necessarily. No turnover completely does not necessarily mean a good thing, especially if you've had no turnover and hired nobody within the last, you know, for the last five years, which means that you're going to be in a world of hurt in another five years, because every single person at that company is going to be coming up on retirement Mm -hmm. is you, you have to have some amount of turnover at a company in order to stay fresh, right? to stay on the cutting edge of technology, on a, in order to stay um, up to date on what's happening in the world and get mm-hmm. fresh new ideas. So yep. new blood, right? You, you have to, there has to be a certain amount of turnover built in, in order to be fresh, fresh, just, right. and not to mention, um, you know, kind of keeping things well we already said it fresh and I'm just beating a dead horse it's I just I can't imagine working at a company that has zero percent turnover right right that's it's that's not a good sign I mean a lot of people I mean now they're calling it quiet quitting but I've always called it they quit but they still come to work every day so I guess that's the definition right. of quiet quitting, but that's, right. that's gone on for years. That, that's not something new. They, they just become very disconnected, you know. But they still show up and they still get a paycheck and, but they're, they're checked out. Correct. So. And I would say that there is, there's probably 30% of people who have been at their company for, you know, longer than 10 years mm. are probably just, you know, they're that, that robot who shows up mm-hmm. and is, and I guarantee that now they are starting to think. And this is nothing against people. I mean, there's lots of high performers with oh, yeah. longevity. Yes, there um, are. Who, who progress. 
in the company. Yep. Which hopefully opens up spots to bring in fresh blood, as yep. we're calling it. So um, we are coming to time, and I want to get to the question of the season. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you could change um, something about your job or the practice that people have in your job or role, what uh, what would you change? So the question is, what would I change about a job in human resources? Is that essentially- I mean, yeah. I mean, essentially, you know, you're in HR. Um, so is there something in the practice that people do in your role that you would change or specifically in, in your job? Um, you know, I can give like 20 examples. <laughs> um, when we speak of HR. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I guess, you know, what I would, would change, which is not something that's going to go away, but I think there's a way that a company can deal with, there's so much transactional stuff that takes place in HR is I would look to, you know, outsourcing that or investing in um, systems to, you know, like HRIS system, you know, which is a human resources information system and ATS, which is an applicant tracking system and really, and and electronicize, if that's a word, your files. You know, there's, there's so many companies that I go into here's our file, you know, they hand me a manila folder and they go, here's our files. (laughs) Here's our personal files. So, you know, get those scanned in and, you know, have the appropriate software to manage those, those functions. So that's, that's what, what comes to my mind uh, quickly. I'm trying to think what, what you said that you have a bunch of things that you, what what would you say? I mean, in in the HR in, in the 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 practices of of HR, um, you know, again, we've we've had the rise of of people leaders, mm-hmm. um, but when it comes to just in general, um, I would love to see that um, some of the legal aspects of HR be um, you know delegated a little bit more to you know, especially the contractual stuff mm-hmm. delegated a little bit more to, you know, a- an attorney and that, that HR person be able to spend a little bit more time um, hands-on with actual employees, right. um, letting the employees know that, right. Hey, not only am I here for, you know, to root for the company, but, you know, I'm also here as a, as a person, you know, to root for you. And, and and I know that there has to be a little bit of a disconnect because again, at the end of the day, it is, you know, the HR person is that, that, you know, kind of that watchdog, that guard dog for making sure that everybody, everything is in compliance, mm-hmm. but the HR person shouldn't be the, that hated aspect, you know, Why do people hate HR so much. Uh, because we can do a whole show on that, right? Right. The compliance aspect, you know, oh, there comes the HR late. And because ultimately at the end, end of the day, when it comes to firing, when it comes to having to let somebody go, mm-hmm. the HR lady is, or I shouldn't say lady, the HR individual mm-hmm. is the one who's usually called in to carry that out. Right. And, right. and I think that, a lot of HR individuals become purposefully disconnected 
from truly getting to know and liking all of the employees at a company mm-hmm. because they know at the end of the day, if a supervisor or manager comes to them and says, you've got to fire Bob Smith, mm-hmm. doesn't matter how much you like Bob Smith, you've got to sit him down or Jane Doe, you know, you've got to sit him down and they're going to have an emotional reaction mm-hmm. that you have to stay professional through. Right. Right. And well, then you're, you know, you've got to walk them out the door. Exactly. Or, or actually this is sort of, it's not a funny story, but it's an interesting story of the world we live in. Um, I was involved with a termination just recently and, you know, it was me and the manager, the manager, it was a zoom call. He was remote. Um, he, the manager hopped off the call and so we alerted or not, not me, but other people alerted the IT department, but they cut off the Zoom. <laughs> I shouldn't, I shouldn't be laughing because it was, I, I didn't know. I actually didn't realize that that was what had happened. I knew we were going to tell them that it was taking place at this time. And we, but I thought they would wait till I was done. <laughs> and the guy called me. And, and I said, oh, you froze up. And he said, no, my computer uh, was cut off. <laughs> I felt, I felt terrible that, and I just, you know, profusely apologized. And that is not the, you know, that was not the intention to get it cut off right as we were in the middle of talking. Um, because I'm a firm believer in, yes, we, we, this person doesn't fit any longer the, the role that they're currently in. Our organization has changed. Our expectations have changed. We have a different bus that we're driving and they should be on a different bus than our company bus. And, um, but we always want to make sure that the person walks out with their head held high. They, I, I always remind my client, I always insist on, on scripting, uh, the person who's, who's delivering the message and remember they're a human being. Like, yeah, we hate them or you hate them or you don't like them anymore, but they're still a human being. They have a family. They have, um, they have to, you know, keep that in mind. It's going to be an emotional blow for them. And you never know how people, when it comes to their livelihood, how they're going to react to that emotional blow. Some people get very quiet. They Mm -hmm. shut down. And they hear very little of what happens beyond we have They're to just kind of out. freaking out. Right. Some and... other, some other, other people, I mean, and I've, I've, I haven't witnessed this, but I've, you know, heard the stories of, oh, he stood up, he punched a hole in the wall and we had to call security. We had to call. Yeah. Security. I've never experienced like, that either. Oh my God. You know, like, right. again, it's, you're, you're, you're talking about somebody's livelihood mm-hmm. and it's so HR, in essence, you know, it's hard for people to become emotionally involved with their employees when they know that one day they may have to take the steps and deliver that emotional message. And I've always found that the better you treat people when you're saying goodbye, the better the situation is in terms of, you know, is there some sort of, you know, lawsuit filed? I mean, some people are litigious, right? They're going to try to to do anything. But I've in my 
many years of being in HR, I've only been involved in one lawsuit. I've done thousands of terminations and there's only been one lawsuit where I was deposed um, when someone said it was wrongful termination. Right. And we won. That's great. That's she would have gotten, if she had just signed the severance agreement um, the first time, she would have gotten more. Right. Than she, what she ended up getting. Yeah. So. so if somebody wanted to reach out to you, um, how would they go about doing that? So uh, I do have my, my website is gethrresults.com. That's two R's in there, hrresults.com. And my email address is srr, just like Susie Raymer Rodriguez, srr at gethrresults.com. If someone wants to call me, 847-867-7307. Susie, thank you so much for this conversation. It's been awesome talking with you. Thank you. Time flew by so fast. So I know. I know. We could have talked, I think, for hours, but I, I loved it. And I thank you so much for having me. Thank you again for listening to Let's Talk HR. I appreciate your time and support. Without you, the audience, this would not be possible. So don't forget that if you enjoyed this episode, to follow us, like us, or share us. Have a wonderful day.